0: Hello and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we're joined by director, writer, and star of the new film Spring Blossom, Suzanne Lindon. Hello, Suzanne. Hello. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me, it's a real pleasure.
0: You're talking to us all the way from Paris.
1: Yes, yes, I'm in Paris in my apartment.
0: I was really excited to to see your film on the upcoming film release schedule because Spring Blossom is just 73 minutes long a beautiful runtime wow i mean it must be quite an unusual sort of angle for an interview about your movie but we love runtimes of course being the 90 minutes or less on fest and uh, and i love people who can tell a really rich story in such a condensed runtime and i think spring blossom does that really well like you really get to know uh, your character in the film um and and it feels like a lived in world you know in in just 73 minutes it's quite an achievement
1: well thank you very much and actually i'm very happy about what you said and it's uh it's uh, it, I'm very touched by that because uh, you know I really think that the duration of a movie is not really important. The important thing is that you have your space to create your story. And actually, when I was writing, I didn't want anyone to you know pressure me or 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 tell me to do something because it's a rule and because we have to do a movie that longs. I just really wanted to. Feel free to talk about what I wanted to talk about, and and um and I just needed seventy three minutes, so it's um actually I, I was very happy because when I, when I when I met people and when I told them about the fact that I was writing a movie and stuff, they always asked me how many pages I had on my script, and I said like uh I don't know fifty two or something like that, <laughs> and they were very surprised and they always said to me oh it's not a movie. It's a short movie. I don't think that it's the right way to judge a film. I mean, the most important thing is to be sincere. And my way of being sincere and honest with the story I wanted to talk about and the character I wanted to build in the film was the fact that I wanted to create a short film, a short story to reflect also that it's happening very quickly in her life, in this 16-year-old girl's life. And to me, it was my... Way to tell the story, and it was for me the right way to do it. So, the fact that you think it's very rich in a very short time—I mean, it's uh, it's the best compliment.
0: I, I fully agree with that philosophy as well. It feels like the wrong way around to go. We're going to make a movie. It's going to be two and a half hours long, like, but the story doesn't need that long. So, like, it needs to be two and a half hours long. Like, surely the story is 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 the master of this.
1: We did not have a lot of money. We did not have a huge team. We were like fifteen, and and. And it was something in, in this energy, like we were super speed and we didn't have much time. And when I discovered that the movie was 73 minutes, I was actually very happy because I knew that, you know, I made my gesture and it was something like that, like that really looked like me and that really looked like, you know, the energy in which we built the the movie all together with the with the team. So it was a it was actually kind of a normal thing for me that the Movie will last seventy-three minutes.
0: So when you were when you were writing this, did you also think I'm going to be directing it? I'm also going to be starring in it, or were you, you know, in your mind were you thinking we'll get a director, we'll get an actor, and you know that'll be me done?
1: No, actually, it's a funny story because I think that I wrote the movie to play in it. The first desire I had was to play, but because I'm from an actor's family, sometimes I was too shy to say it, and I really wanted to feel legitimate to to do it and to feel it to be okay and to feel comfortable with the idea that I wanted to become an actress. So I started to write me a part that I would like to play. And then very quickly, the idea of the movie came to me because, you know, I was 15 when I started to write the film. And this is a very weird period of time, you know, for a boy or for a girl because you're a teenager and you discover yourself. You don't really know who you are. You're not a child anymore, but you're not an adult yet. So it was very complicated for me. And um, I remember that I I think that I had to, you know, write it down to always remember how I felt at this time, but also to understand me a little more. and um, And because also I was more interested in my fantasies than in my real life. So my fantasy was to create this film, and I did it. So, but I mixed... I mixed everything up together, and it became the film. Like what I was living at that time, my desire to play, my desire to create images, my desire to make this personal gesture and and stuff, and it became Spring Blossoms.
0: This is your first film. I think it's a huge achievement. But what a lot of first-time filmmakers do not get is official selection for the Cannes Film Festival uh, last year. What what went through your head when when you heard that you know that this was officially part of the lineup?
1: Actually, I was I was dreaming of it. I thought it was impossible, but you know, I've always thought that when you really want something, you have to believe in it. So I thought it was impossible, but I believed in myself. But uh, of course, it it was too huge for me to even imagine that it could happen in the real life. And when I heard it, I think it was one of my biggest joy of my life. And uh, it will always be one of the most important days of my life because it was, um, you know, knowing that people... because. The whole comedy and, and, and you know, Thierry Fremo and all the people who are working here are so used to see movies that, you know, when they pick one, they pick one because they, they think that there's something interesting in, in, in the film. And knowing that these professional people who are not my age because I was nineteen, who are not my age, who are not living the same thing as I am was living while I was Writing the film and with a story like that, because you know it's the story of this young girl with this older man. And actually, I I kind of hoped that people could see how universal I wanted it to be and and how deep I wanted it to be. But I was sh- I was um I was unsure that they could understand or that I I succeeded in in showing that. And when I understood that I was selected in, in Cannes, then I was um I think that I authorized myself to be. Very proud of me for for, maybe for the first time.
0: (laughs) It sounds like you've been so involved in making this movie. I am wondering sort of how much free time you get to watch films. Are are you a big film watcher in your spare time?
1: I've always been and I will always be. But yeah, I've always watched. I I, I was born and raised in, in a family in which watching movies is like a religion. You know, like you have to do it. If you want to have the chance to talk to someone or to be a, interesting for someone like uh, during a dinner or anything with my entire family, then you have to watch movies. (laughs) Otherwise, we don't listen to you. (laughs) So I'm very thankful for one thing is that, you know, it's culture in in general, it was movies, but also, you know, shows, ballet, and also reading books was very, very important, going to concerts, listening to music. And um, I think that I've been very aware of this artistic dimension, you know, I've always been you know, interested by that because my parents raised me with the idea that you become a better person if you can just be interested in any form of art. You know, and and I'm quite sure it, it's true. So I've always read books, I've always listened to music, but very quickly I discovered that the the the, the most important thing for me was watching movies and and. And imagining stories, and also, you know, directing people. When I was a child, I was always playing with my friends, but I forbidden them to just talk, and I was just saying them, okay, just do what I wanted you to do, and go there and do that. And So I was directing them.
0: So when I when I when we reached out about coming on this podcast, I gave you some homework uh, to select just one under ninety minute movie. How did you? When that landed in your inbox, how did you sort of approach that task?
1: I've always been well. I love short films, so of course I I knew which film were short and everything, so I had like a pre-selection in my head. (laughs) Well, to me, short films are more poetic and there are a lot of poetry in these movies, maybe more than in very long movies in which, you know, you can forget moments and everything. A short film is is like a a picture. You can always remember every detail. So I think uh, I had very precise pre-selection in, in mind. And then very quickly I thought about Charlie Chaplin because what I really loved with the kid, the, the film I, I selected, was that it was also his first film. And I was, I was so amazed to see that it's it's very, very short. Yesterday I I re it and it's like 52 minutes.
0: Charlie Chaplin was already an international star when he decided to break out of his short film format and make his first full-length feature. The kid doesn't merely show Chaplin at a turning point when he proved that he was a serious film director. It remains an expressive masterwork of silent cinema. In it he stars as the lovable tramp character, this time raising an orphan, a remarkable young Jackie Coogan. He is rescued from the streets. Chaplin and Coogan make for a miraculous pair in this nimble marriage of sentiment and slapstick. A film that is, as the opening title card states, a picture with a smile and perhaps a tear.
1: I, you know what? Yesterday I photographed it with my phone and I said maybe I will, you know, talk about it tomorrow. But uh...
0: Well, it sort of sets you up. Um, I guess in 1921, when this, this film came out, as you said, it was Chaplin's first feature. He had a long career of making short films. They'd often be one or two reels long, so about 20 minutes. And they were all slapstick. So you'd go to see Chaplin for laughs. And I think he's quite revolutionary, and actually he he introduces a dramatic storyline into what is a really fun slapstick comedy, yeah,
1: and you know yesterday i i I was watching it again, and what really struck me was that you know it was a hundred years ago it's still revolutionary, it's still very modern, and it's still very poetic and and you know he's a genius because today no one is actually capable to do the same it's it's I think it's it's too much it's it's even more modern than things we can see today it's something so huge because the story is very simple actually the plot is very simple but what he does and how he plays it and and how he directs it in the way that he had found to you know make us laugh but also make us cry and, and, and move us and, and stuff. It's, it's, um, well, it's very impressive. So, uh, I was very, very happy to rediscover it yesterday because it was, um, It was a huge moment for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am when I was looking into the film and just going through the credits. You know, Charlie Chaplin is in front of the camera as the tramp. He's writing the film. He's directing the film. He even composed the music for the film. And then I'm looking at your credits, and you're in front of the camera. You're directing. You're writing. You know, I I did wonder if you were when you're watching it, you're thinking about your own experiences on Spring Blossom.
1: The thing you don't know is that I also, uh, I also sing in in my movie because the last song for the you know credit stuff it's 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 my voice so maybe I did everything like Charlie Chaplin
0: a <laughs> hundred years um, on you're the Charlie Chaplin
1: <laughs> no, no, no no because he's a he's a genius and I am not but um I really think that the more a movie can be personal the more I have pleasure to watch it and weirdly seeing the person who wrote the movie and who directed the movie in the movie it's something that brings me a lot of joy because you know instantaneously, I'm I'm just like, okay, this is his or her story. And she's just telling me the truth about herself. And this is what I tried to do with my movie. You know, by playing in it, it was my way to, you know, fulfill my dream. But it was also a way to, you know, tell everyone, yes, this is my story. Of course, I, I, I changed some stuff because I wanted it to be a fiction and not just my... It was a biography because it wouldn't have been interesting but uh I think it's a very it's a very important message to to send to people that you know this is my story and I'm playing it so I'm showing you that this is the truth and I'm not just uh you know I think that it was my way to be honest and um I don't know if it was Charlie Chaplin's way but uh but I'm sure there's something like that when you decide to put yourself in your film. This is to tell the truth very, very much.
0: It, it removes a barrier, doesn't it, from connecting with the audience? You can you can have the idea, but then you can also actually you know, play it to the audience. And I think that's definitely what Chaplin wanted to do with the tramp character. He's I think he's quite famous for being very precise on set. And if something isn't funny or something doesn't work, like he will act out other people's roles to show them how he had it planned. And and I think with the main character, it's just easier for him to play that character rather than give it to someone else.
1: And I think it was also very easier for me because you know, before starting to shoot the movie I was very scared because it was the first time and I didn't know how to do. But I remember that the one thing that really reassured me when I was going to sleep and when I was very nervous and stuff, I always said to myself, okay, but I know that I can count on me. Like, uh, you know, I know what I want and because I will play the main character, I know that I will have what I want for the major part of the film. And I'm very happy because uh, when I was on set, I discovered that it was the truth. Like I was directing other people and, Weirdly, people were just thinking that I was losing time, but I was pretty sure that I was winning time because I knew exactly what I wanted and I didn't need to talk about it with me or any other people who could have played my role because I knew it, it was in me. It was in in my heart and in my body, it was my soul. So it was very simple and very natural for me to do it. and, And actually, it was a very reassuring thing for me to do it with myself. At least for the first time. Maybe now I'm. I hope that one day I will direct a film without playing in it or play in movies without directing them. But for the first time, I really needed to do everything at the same time.
0: You said you watched a lot of movies when you were growing up. Was was Charlie Chaplin someone you watched at a young age?
1: Yeah, I think I first watched The Kid when I was four. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I'm pretty sure that Charlie Chaplin's movies were actually the first movies I've I've seen or or that I can clearly remember. I remember um the first Charlie Chaplin movie that I saw was um, CD Lights, I think it's the title. Yeah. And uh, and then The Great Dictator and The Kids. And I remember I was in love with Charlie Chaplin. I was in love with Charlo. <laughs> so I was always asking my grandmother, my mother and everything, if I could just, you know, watch Charlie Chaplin's movies because I was madly in love with him. So I wanted to see him.
0: I think the nice thing about watching silent films now is because they're not as sophisticated in terms of how they're put together, you can kind of see the filmmaking as well. Like there's a lot of things that are just shot with a static camera and all of the actors are on screen at once. And you can, that's easier, I think, especially at a young age to kind of work out how films are made.
1: Yeah, but you know, the weird thing is that when I'm watching a movie by Charlie Chaplin, I don't have the feeling that it's a silent movie, you know, because he does so many things with his body. And it's so smart. And the way he has to talk about things, like, you know, I love, um, I don't know how to say, it. in France, it's tragicomique. I don't know how to say it in English, but I think that Charlie Chaplin kind of invented this because, you know, or reinvented this. And because he's doing everything with his body, because he's laughing at weird or very sad situations or because he's crying at very funny situations, you always have the feeling that he's talking to you. And I think that, you know, you can see the process of making a movie because of course you're more focused on how it's edited, how it's it's filmed and everything. And, and, you know, the fact that the camera is, is not in movement and stuff, but you're also very focused on him and, um, He's the story of the movie. I mean, he could, be, he could be the only one character. He could have done the kid without the kid. You know, when I am just... Because he's everything. When he moves, when he... And so when he moves, I have the feeling that he talks. Hey guys, this is Kobe here from Flix Watcher Podcast. And I'm Helen, also from Flix Watcher Podcast. We are another podcast in the Strip Media family and we review films on Netflix.
0: Ever struggle to find a film to watch on the Netflix?
1: Well, we're the podcast for you, and we have guests from other podcasts, big and small, and they're the ones that actually choose the films that we rate and talk about in our episodes.
0: Like the sound of this? Find us by searching FlixWatcher, F-L-I-X Watcher, and make sure you subscribe.
1: And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.stripped.media to find out more.
0: Something that really struck me, like I, I know the figure of Charlie Chaplin well, and he's very, you know, he's one of the most famous people on the planet. He's so iconic. But that child performance from Jackie Coogan is 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 something else.
1: And, you know, I've always been, I've always loved child's character, like uh, here in The Kid, but there's a, another child that I love. It's uh, the little Billy in Kramer versus Kramer with um, Justin Hoffman in Meryl Strip. I don't know if you remember the, the little boy, but he was so cute and so good actor. I, I, I'm I always impressed by um, by very young people who are doing that. And here in, in The Kid, you know, I think that the complicity we can see between Charlie Chaplin, and, well, between the character of Charlie Chaplin and between the little, his name is John in, in the film. So between John and, and, and Charlie Chaplin's character, I think this, was actually kind of the same, maybe not, but we can imagine that it was kind of the same between the the real actor and Charlie Chaplin when they were not shooting, because uh, you have the feeling that they trust each other and that they are, you know, at ease with each other. And this is very, very impressive because the child doesn't seem to, you know, play. He's just, uh, to me, he's just himself and he's just very comfortable in front of the camera and he's just having fun. And he is abandoning himself and to me he's free and actually this is being an actor to me being free and forgetting who you are, but just playing to be someone else and being in the situation and and, and feeling what the character is feeling and forgetting how you feel and, and and what you
0: feel It's kind of amazing that he can hold his own against one of the greatest performers who's ever yeah. lived <laughs> in these scenes. But of course, as a child he doesn't know that, it's just a funny looking man with the hat who's telling him to do things. But um but yeah, the way Chaplin directs him and, and the performance he gives, I mean it is timeless. But I I I was just so again, like so moved, I suppose. It's like fifty-three minutes long, as you say. Um, you feel the bond between them. Um and and even though they you know, in fifty-three minutes there aren't that many scenes but they use the scenes really wisely to show that relationship. You see them yeah. at home, you see them at work. I loved how complicit the child is in in the Tramp scam to uh, smash the windows and then Charlie Chaplin can show up to fix the glass.
1: You know, we can, we can really see that they, you know, they build something together and they're a team actually. And this is what I really like in the film, seeing them at home, seeing the routine they have, but also seeing them at work, seeing how he's like, a father but also a friend and uh, it's like a a, a, a father son relationship but also a friendship and it's really really beautiful you know there are like two or three times where they um they kiss on the lips and i think it's so cute because you know it's also something to show how much they love each other because it's uh, it's very very powerful the way they have to communicate without even talking because it's a silent movie but you can imagine that they are very comfortable with each other. And um, and actually, at the end of the movie, when he goes back to his mother, the fact that Charlie Chaplin is going to the house, I mean, it's uh, it's how it's supposed to be, you know? You can't imagine this little boy without Charlie Chaplin, and, and you can't imagine Charlie Chaplin without the little boy. And what is very beautiful is that at the very beginning of the movie, he doesn't want to keep him, so it's... Uh, it's so beautiful to see how in five years everything can just change and now it's impossible to you know, to be without him.
0: I think you're right. Setting up their relationship is really key. You see the, the child as a baby um, with his mother being put into a, a car, a, a posh-looking car because she doesn't think she can bring the child up. But the car gets stolen and the thieves just leave the baby on the street, which is really distressing. <laughs> um, but of course, the tramp just walks in at the right time. But, and one of the, I guess, one of the... Th- the few uses of text in the film is Charlie Chaplin reading the note with with the baby which says please love and care for this orphan child and you can see at that point Chaplin's so affected by that note he feels it's his duty to bring this boy up.
1: Yeah and uh, you know it's a very beautiful lesson of humanity and and, uh, and courage too because uh, you know when, when you look at the movie of course you know it's the right thing to do and you're like okay you have to take care of that child but we can't imagine how it feels to just find a note like that in, in, in the street and and to take a child with you and just raise the child and everything. So I think it's a very, very beautiful story also about that, about how a man can do and, 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 and how you have to, you know, behave in front of your duty of, of what you have to do. You know, he has to help this child and he does it and he loves to do it. And I think it's a very beautiful message.
0: He's that classic kind of reluctant hero, isn't he? Like we we always, we feel for those heroes who don't want to go on the quest, but they have to go on the quest because it's the right thing to do. And we see it in a more smaller, intimate scale with the kid. doesn't look like he's, you know, parent material particularly, but he's going to give it a go. And and when we see the results, uh, when it flashes forward, you know, they're a really tight family unit.
1: Yeah, and you know, what what I think it's very beautiful because in the note it's written, please love and care. And this is everything that he gives to the child because he has no money. He's n- nothing, but actually loving and caring for this child is enough. And this is what's the most important thing between like, um, a parent and, and, and a child. And I think it's very, uh, important to remember that because sometimes it's, it's so simple that we can even forget it.
0: charlie chaplin's had such an interesting career but he did move away from hollywood and, and stop making films but um he went back to all of his silent movies and re-edited them and re-scored them in the 70s when he was quite an old man and with the kid the kid was actually 73 minutes long in 1921 yeah. but yeah. he came back and he cut it down to yeah. 53 minutes which normally with a director's cut you hear about them adding more scenes in
1: yeah i think it's very interesting to see you know Earlier I was talking to you and I was saying maybe in 10 years I will be able to watch my film. Well, I think that what's very, very interesting with the, how Charlie Chaplin worked with his movies and it's very beautiful to see that he was uh, also criticizing himself and he was saying, okay, we don't need that. and uh, And I think it's a very, very smart way of looking at your work, you know, to see how you can transform it in an even more pure object. And I think that this is what he did.
0: Do you have a favorite scene in the film?
1: Well, I don't know why, but there's a specific moment I really love. You know, when the little child is uh, fighting another one because he stole like his his toy or I don't know. There's something I really love is that at the very beginning, Charlie Chaplin is very mad at his kid. And then he just, you know, he be, he becomes his coach and he says, okay, do this, do this. And and he just, uh, you know, he teaches him how to fight. And here I really like the relationship they have because, you know, this is a way to show how proud he is of his kid. And it's, uh, this is very smart because it's funny, but it's always, it's also very moving, you know, because you see how proud he can be of his, his little boy and, and, how ready he is to, you know, defend him, and he wants the best for him, and I think that our, that I've, I've always, um, I've always really, really loved that moment. And when I was little, I, I, um, I found this scene very, very funny. I think it's one of my favorite scenes of the film.
0: When he kind of steps up and he does, you know, the dad thing, and and he's yeah. kind of, you know, teaching the child. I, I feel like that's like the title card says, you know, perhaps a tear. That's when you know it tugs at the emotional heartstrings. I I found a quote from Mary Pickford, uh, actor and producer in the 1920s, one of Chaplin's contemporaries, and she said, the kid is one of the finest examples of the screen language, depending upon its actions rather than subtitles. Basically, that show don't tell sort of philosophy.
1: It's really, really great to see that with a very simple story, with a very few characters, because uh, actually there are two or three with the mother, but... You know, the rest is just uh well, they're here, but it's it's not important. And to see that with not not many elements, it's just giving us the most one of the most important films in, in the world. And and he's talking about a a story which is very universal without even saying a word. And I think it's so impressive because you know it it shows that sometimes it's more important to feel than to explain. And I really think that it's well, according to me, it's it's why making movies is is, is very, very uh, uh, important is to, you know, just um, try to communicate about a feeling, but without explaining too much. Because I think that when you explain it too much, it's not interesting for the audience who's watching the film, because you need to be able to, you know, to feel free to imagine things wherever you want to imagine them and, and stuff. And, I know that I hate to be taken for like an idiot person when I'm uh, watching a film, and I have this feeling when we are just explaining too much. And here with Charlie Chaplin, nothing's ex- is explained. It's just uh, it's just something so true and so realistic that you uh, you have to feel what the characters are feeling.
0: So at our film festival, we're going to play The Kid. Very excited to, to have our second Charlie Chaplin film. We've we've already got The Circus. But in our in our sort of fictional film festival, we'll get The Kid on the big screen. Do you have a favourite cinema you'd like to play it at?
1: I don't know. I know that here in, in Paris, I always go to the Cinémathèque because, you know, they are programming like old movies and sometimes movies that I've only seen on DVDs and, and stuff because, you know... I was um, I was talking earlier about Kramer versus Kramer, and I discovered it, well, with my family on the TV and stuff because we had like a DVD, but I've never seen it on the big screen. And two years ago, they were programming the the movie at the Cinémathèque. And I had the feeling that I rediscovered it truly, you know? And it was the same with um, Running an Empty by Sidney Lumet. And I remember that I had an, an another feeling a stronger feeling when I saw it like on the big screen so I really love this cinema but you know because I've never seen the kid on a big screen I would be able and I, I would be happy to see it like on in, in any cinema like uh, I, I don't really know how to choose.
0: It's a tough call because we rarely get to see silent movies especially on a big screen nowadays so I think actually seeing it with an audience. Remember audiences? Um, Seeing it with an audience would be a really great bonding experience. When you go to the cinema, have you got a favourite snack, favourite drink?
1: Well, actually, I hate going to... Well, I don't hate, but I feel very much more comfortable if I'm going to the cinema alone. Because I need time after the film to, you know, think about it. Because I don't want to just go out from the movie and just talk about it with the person I went to the movie with. I just need to be by my own. And usually I don't really eat or drink during um, like a screening. If I have to eat something, it's like, you know, dragibus, uh, it's like Haribo, it's, it's a, like little candies, but I don't really like this. Actually, I like, I know it's weird, but I really like, you know, movie theaters in which we can't buy anything to eat or drink. I just wanna go buy my ticket and just watch the movie, then go out walk in the street, think about it. And after this, I can talk about it. But I I really need time.
0: Well, we can do that at the screening of the kids. You know, we can sit people solo so that people come on their own. And and we don't have to serve snacks and drinks. It's only 53 minutes. You can go to the bar afterwards.
1: You know, it's also very complicated because sometimes when you're on a date, people are just asking you if you want to go see a movie and you can't say no because you're waiting for this date for like so many times. So, when it happens to me, I'm just going on a date, and I know that the movie I'm going to see with the guy I'm going to see it, I will go, well, by my own after to re see it because I will need that to really watch the film.
0: That's true dedication, a true cinephile. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, uh, Suzanne.
1: Thank you very, very much. Thank you. It was uh, it was a real pleasure to talk to you.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been a joy. It's been so nice to rewatch the kids, and also nice to watch Spring Blossom, um, both under ninety minutes. It's always nice when we get a guest who, if they're a filmmaker, they've actually made an under ninety minute film as well. It's sort of like a, a double a double endorsement there. And uh, and yeah, in the UK, it's on. It'll be available on Curzon Home Cinema right now, but it will also be in cinemas in May when the country starts to open. So I recommend going like Suzanne says go to the cinema get lost in it and maybe go by yourself and then go on a date afterwards
1: No, 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 no no! go with a lot of people (laughs) with a lot of people with your entire family and stuff
0: (laughs) Uh, That sounds fun Uh, Well, thank you very much, Suzanne and I can't wait to see what you do next
1: Thank you Thank you very, very much
0: Thank you for listening Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice you can also listen on our website 90minfilmfest.com that's 90minfilmfest.com you can contact us there or on twitter and instagram at 90minfilmfest the podcast is produced by louise owen and me sam clements the show is edited by louise owen with sound mixing and additional editing by luke smith our music is by martin Ostrich and our artwork is by sam gilby and we'll be back in a couple of weeks We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.